Hey there, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the podcast. My name is Daniel Trinum, and I will be your host as always. Before we get started with today's episode, I want to let you know of a few things of note. First, you may or may not be aware that I host another podcast called The Third Seat. The Third Seat is unrelated to the podcast you are listening to right now, but if you'd like to check it out, then I will put a link in the description of today's episode that you can use to listen to it. If you like this podcast, then I really think you will like The Third Seat as well, so I highly recommend you check it out. Next, I want to let you know of a few ways you can support the podcast. First, be sure to tell a friend if you enjoy the show. Word of mouth is not only a great way to help support the show, but it's also zero cost. Secondly, if you enjoyed today's episode, then be sure to leave a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Leaving a positive review is one of the best ways of not only supporting the show, but it also gives me direct feedback from you regarding how you feel about the show overall. I greatly appreciate if you decide to take the time to support the show in any of these ways. Finally, if you'd like to follow me or the show on social media, then feel free to check out the description of today's episode. Here you will find all affiliated and mentioned links, as well as how you can support the show online. As always, I want to thank you for tuning into and supporting the show. It really means a lot to me, and I hope you enjoyed today's episode as much as I enjoyed making it for you. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. My name is Daniel Trinum. I'm going to be your host for this episode as always. Um, and today's episode is going to be another installment in uh, one of the segments I like to do on this show called Living Faith. Um, and so today, I, you know, I've been thinking a lot about what do I want to talk about? You know, the, the first episode in this segment, I did an interview uh, with a man by the name of Mike Soto, uh, just to kind of kick this segment off, just to get some good conversation with him. Um, and then the, uh, the, the second installment in this segment, I did an episode kind of all about why I'm doing this segment, why I created it, what, what the kind of process was for me creating it. And, uh, and now I'm here. So today, you know, I've been thinking over the past couple of days and, and the week or so, like, what do I want to talk about? What do I want to bring to the table for today's episode? And, uh, something I've been thinking about is, is, is I want to talk about, uh, a story in the Bible that, um, that, uh, I think a lot of people maybe even, you know, that aren't super familiar with the Bible are aware of, um, it's, it's a relative, I believe I, I could be wrong, uh, but it's a relatively well-known passage in the Bible. It's not a super long passage. Um, but it's one that, you know, especially if you go to church, uh, if you've been in church for any extended amount of time, you've probably heard this story. Um, I know for whatever reason, uh, <laughs> Whenever I was uh, younger, whenever I was a kid in church, uh, I heard this story a lot, which looking back now is kind of funny, uh, and, and I'll get into that in a little bit. But um, today I want to talk about uh, the book of Jonah uh, in, the, in the Bible. It's a pretty short book. Um, it is, let's see here, it is four chapters, uh, and it's just a couple pages, nothing crazy. Uh, it's a pretty short, cut and dry story. But I think there's a lot you can take from this story. Um, I think it's something that oftentimes I've heard different interpretations of the story. Uh, and, and, you know, I think all of them are valid. Uh, but I think oftentimes we can look at Jonah as this, and I'm going to dive into this, but we can look at Jonah as kind of this, like, um, kind of like, an, you know, a lot of the characters in the Bible are people that you want to emulate. Uh, you know, you see people and you want to 
we're, we're supposed to want to, uh, follow their example and live in a way that is similar to how they lived. Uh, but Jonah is kind of different, at least in my opinion, Jonah is kind of like an outlier. He's kind of like the, uh, you know, a little bit rebellious. Uh, he's, he's kind of an interesting character and somebody that I think his story we can get a lot from. Um, so I want to dive into that today. I'm going to try to present this story in a way that even if you're not familiar with it, hopefully it will be clear and concise. Um, and I encourage you, whether you are familiar with the story, even if you're not familiar with the story, um, wherever your current knowledge level on this story is, I encourage you to go and check it out. It's a, it's a really short book. Um, it's not super long. It's a pretty easily understandable story. Um, and it's something that anybody can uh, pick up and, and read and make your own conclusions from. But it's a story that I think is really interesting. Um, I actually did a lesson on this a while back, uh, and it was it was one that I really enjoyed uh, making and talking about. And I think it's something that um, whatever your background is, you can you can find something good in it. But today, I want to talk about it, dive into it a little bit, and see what we can pull out of it. I think it's a very encouraging story, also as well. Um, so yeah, let's let's go ahead and jump into it. So <clears throat> to kind of set the stage. Uh, in, in chapter one, in the first part of chapter one, uh, of Jonah, again, it's four chapters. So it's, it's a pretty short story. It kind of runs through the story relatively quickly, but, uh, in the first part of chapter one, we have Jonah and he is basically, uh, commissioned by God to go to a place called Nineveh. Uh, and, and he basically, God has asked Jonah to go to Nineveh and tell, you know, basically tell them, uh, to call out the evil that they have been doing, uh, and to tell them, you know, the good news, tell them, uh, that there, you know, there is a way to right their wrongs basically. And very simple, like literally in the first two verses, that's like the first two verses of the book. However, Jonah, um, for whatever reason does not want to go to Nineveh. He does not like, uh, the people that live in Nineveh are called Ninevites. He does not like the Ninevites. Uh, you could go so far as to say he hates the Ninevites, and we'll we'll see that a little bit later. Um, but he does not want to go to Nineveh at all and see these people and talk to them. He doesn't want to see them, you know, have their wrongs righted, uh, and and he he doesn't want to. It, it makes that very clear. And so, what does Jonah do? He in verse three says that uh, Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish, which is uh, a totally different location. It is not Nineveh. Uh, from the presence of the Lord, he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. Uh, he paid the fare and went down uh, into the boat and to go with them to Tarshish. And he f- fled away from the presence of the Lord. So here in the beginning, we have Jonah and the Lord, and Jonah has been basically commissioned by God to say, "Hey." I want you to go to Nineveh and preach to the Ninevites, the Ninevites and show them uh, the you know the wrong their wrongdoings and and tell them that there is a you know there is there's light at the end of the tunnel I guess if you want to put it that way. But Jonah does not want to. He is like, no, I, I don't want to go to Nineveh. I'm not doing that. I'm going to go to this totally other place and flee on a boat. Um, and so he <laughs> gets on the boat and let's see. He gets on the boat and then it says in verse four, it says, but the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea and there was a mighty tempest on the sea. So the ship was threatened to break up. So you have Jonah and some other people on this ship and suddenly there's a, you know, he's fleeing to Tarshish and suddenly there is this major storm that comes in and we see in the, in the following verses, Jonah and well, not necessarily Jonah, but a lot of the people on the boat suddenly get very scared and for good reason, you know, we're not talking about like 
modern day cruise ships that are supposed to be able to withstand major winds and, and, you know, storms and things like that. Like this was probably like some wooden, probably little rinky dink boat (laughs) that him and these, these people were on. And so they were very afraid and, uh, they started, you know, hurling cargo off the ship, uh, to, to lighten, lighten the load of the ship. But Jonah, (laughs) while everyone else is freaking out, Jonah had actually, gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and fallen asleep. And so again, we have this picture. Jonah is commissioned to go to Nineveh. He's like, no, I don't want to do that. He go, he wants to go to Tarshish instead. He gets on the boat and there is a storm sent by God to the, to the boat. And now everybody on the boat, except for Jonah, who is asleep is freaking out. And so the captain came to Jonah and said, you know, it says in uh, in verse six here, chapter one it says, what do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. So that's the first, uh, you know, in, in my Bible, that's like the first major paragraph. We have Jonah fleeing from Nineveh to Tarshish. He gets in the boat and there's this major storm that comes through that threatens not only the boat, uh, but all of the people within the boat. So then in the second half of the first chapter, we have, <laughs> this is where things, this is where things get kind of interesting. So Basically what you have is they, uh, in, in the first, in, in verse seven, uh, it says that the people on the boat cast lots. And to my understanding, this is basically, I, I could be wrong. So if you're reading, if, if you're reading this, if you're listening to this and I'm totally wrong, then, you know, feel free to correct me. But basically this is a way, uh, for them to decide who, uh, decide who should be responsible or who, who, who is the one that should be uh, you know, should deal with this issue. Basically. Um, I know that's not very helpful, but they cast lots, uh, and the lots fell on Jonah. And so they said to him, basically, they were like, okay, the lots have fallen on you, Jonah. What is, what's going on? Why is this happening? Why have we gotten in this? Like you've gotten on this boat with us. Uh, why is this happening all of a sudden? Why are our lives being threatened by this major storm? We need answers. And so you read on and Jonah kind of starts talking to him and this is where part of the story begins to be up to some people's interpretation. When you read on into this passage, uh, we see that Jonah is, you know, talking to the people on the boat. Uh, it says, it says that Jonah said to them, I'm a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. And it said that the meet- the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, what is it that you have done for the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. So, they know that he's fleeing and he, you know, he tells them who he is and everything. And basically at the, towards the end of this, this chapter, he tells them, he says in verse 12, he said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. And so he's telling them, he's like, okay, listen, I'm responsible for this. I'm the one that has fleed from the Lord. I'm, I was supposed to go to Nineveh and now I'm fleeing to Tarshish. This is my fault. I'm, I'm responsible for this. And he says, basically, just just pick me up and throw me in the ocean. And I've heard some individuals talk about this, where they they view this as Jonah kind of um, having a you know a, a moment where he's 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 accepting the fact that he is he has fallen short, and so he's basically sacrificing himself. And if that's the conclusion that you draw draw from this, then you know I'm, who am I to say that you're wrong? But to me, the way I look at this is, I I believe that. The way the thing that Jonah is telling these people is is a very kind of cowardly thing, uh, because we what do we see before this? 
Jonah was commissioned to go and do his job in a city. He was commissioned to go and do his job in Nineveh. And he didn't want to. He was like, no, I'm not doing that. He, he doesn't want to do it. Doesn't want to do it so much that he gets on a boat and flees somewhere else. And so he gets on the boat and we see this major storm come through and he's asleep. He doesn't care a bit about what's going on up on the deck. Everybody's freaking out. They're throwing cargo off the side. They're trying to figure out what's going on. And Jonah's asleep. Um, and so when he's woken up, he realizes, oh my gosh, I have, you know, I tried to get away from God and he's, he's brought this major storm upon us. I got to get out of this somehow. And so the lots fall on him and he basically says, you know what? Just, just toss me in the ocean. Just, just get rid of me. Like this isn't, this isn't worth my time. In my opinion, I view this as a man who is distraught about the commission that he's been given. He doesn't want to go to Nineveh. He doesn't want to do the thing that he knows he is supposed to do. He does not want to go and do his job basically. And so he says, I would rather die and not have to worry about this than to have to face the consequences of what I've done and go and do the thing that I know I should do. And so he says, just throw me overboard. Just, just kill me now. Just get rid of me. I mean, it'd be better that I just die and drown in the ocean in the middle of this storm. Uh, and you know, instead of me having to face the consequences and go to Nineveh and, and, you know, preach these people that I don't like. So that's where we're at. So Jonah in, you know, kind of presents himself as this, this individual who doesn't want to do his job. He doesn't want to face the consequences of what he's done. And now he's trying to get out of it through death. And so this is where things get kind of interesting because I don't know, this may not be the experience that everybody who's grown up in church has had, but whenever I was growing up in church, this story was told a lot, the story of Jonah. And I think it's kind of funny because the next part we see, so Jonah gets thrown into the ocean says in verse 15, so they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the, mere, then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Okay, they throw him in the, in the ocean, and now the, the ocean calms down, and they feared the Lord. But then in verse 17, it says, And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And so, <laughs> it just makes me laugh because this... <laughs> this story is, t- at least it was told a lot. Uh, it was taught a lot whenever I was, uh, you know, really young and in church. And it's just funny, the optics of it, because there is like a legit lesson you can take from these passages and these stories, but it's like in the middle of it, we're, we're you know, we're talking to these kids and like, okay, yeah. And next, you know, Jonah is swallowed by a massive whale or something. <laughs> I don't know. It's just kind of funny. Um, so <laughs> Jonah is, is, uh, swallowed by a massive fish. And so he's, sitting, it doesn't specifically say if it's a whale, people just kind of interpret it as a whale, or at least just call it that to make it easier. Um, but he's, he is thrown into the sea to basically get away from his problems and he's swallowed by a fish. And so that's the end of chapter one. So if we move on to chapter two, um, chapter two is we have, we see Jonah sitting in, uh, the belly of the fish and we see him, you know, says in, before we get into chapter two, that he's in there for three days and three nights. So I'm imagining myself in as much as best I can. I'm imagining myself in Jonah's position here. He's sitting in the belly of a massive fish. I imagine it smells horrible. Um, it's probably nasty and sticky and obviously there's no sunlight getting through or anything. And what we see, what he does next is very interesting because chapter two of, of the book of Jonah is almost entirely, um, a prayer that Jonah gives up to God. Um, we have, you know, a brief intro to it and a brief outro to it kind of bookending the prayer, 
but this chapter is almost entirely a prayer. And I'm, I'm not going to read the whole thing here. But um, to begin the prayer, Jonah says, and by the way, I don't know if I've said this before, my Bible is a ESV translation. So if you're curious about, you know, the, the translation or the, the, the wording of, of, the, of what I'm reading from, that's why it's translated the way it is. Um, but it says uh, in verse two, it says, this is the beginning of Jonah's prayer. It says, I called out to the Lord out of my distress and he answered me out of the belly of Sheol. I cried and you heard my voice for you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. So we see that he's, he's sending up this prayer um, where he seems very regretful. He seems very, he's aware of the fact that he's not in a good spot, you know, and, and obviously, duh, you know, like if I had just been thrown into the sea, swallowed by a fish, like I, I don't know if I'd be the most joyous person in the world either. Um, but this is kind of the theme of this prayer. Uh, you know, the rest of the prayer, he has this similar, this similar idea of being regretful of being, um, you know, aware of the fact that he has screwed up, that he is not in a good spot. And, you know, you have to remember at this time, Jonah doesn't know. Jonah doesn't know what's about to happen next. Jonah doesn't know that he's going to be in this, in this fish for three days and three nights. Um, all Jonah knows is that he's been swallowed by a massive fish and I'm imagining Jonah, you know, I'm, I'm putting myself in his shoes. Like if I was in his shoes at this time, I would also be, you know, I, I, w- I would be freaking out. I'd be doing the same thing. I'd be like, oh my gosh, I have to figure out a way out of here. If you know, whoever is out there, can you please help me? Like I'm regretful and sorry for the things that I've done and whatever I can do to get out of this massive fish, I will do it. And so that's kind of the theme that we, we see, um, throughout the rest of this prayer. If you, if you go towards the end of the prayer in verse seven in chapter two, it starts out by saying, when my life was faint, was fainting away, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving will sacrifice to you what I have vowed. I will pay salvation belongs to the Lord. And so he's acknowledging, he's like, you know, um, he, he's in this terrible position. He's acknowledging that what he did before he was in this position was not a good thing. And he's basically saying the modern day interpretation of I have screwed up and whatever I need to do, whatever I need to sacrifice to you, whatever I need to repent for, I will do it. If you will just get me out of this situation, this is not a good place to be in. And I, I don't want to be here. So we're kind of roughly halfway through the book of Jonah at this point. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to pause here to kind of recount everything that's happened. So in chapter one, we see Jonah and he was commissioned to go to Nineveh. He was commissioned to go to, go to Nineveh and preach to the Ninevites. And he is basically told to show them the error of their ways and, and is told to tell them, uh, the right way to live. Jonah doesn't want to do that. Jonah does not like the Ninevites, which we'll see later in the book. He doesn't want to go there. And he's like, no, God, I think I'll, I'll go with my own plan. And he gets in a boat and goes to another, he's, he heads in the, in the direction of another city called Tarshish. When he gets on the boat, uh, there's other, other people on the boat. God sends a huge storm to the boat and it starts rocking it, you know, back and forth. But all the while, there's this storm threatening the lives of everybody on the boat and threatening the boat itself. Jonah is asleep in the inner inner part of the boat. And so the men on the boat are throwing stuff off to lighten the load and try and do whatever they can to salvage the boat. 
And they basically decide, okay, we need to figure out who is responsible for this. So they go through this process of casting lots and they decide that Jonah is the one that is responsible for this. So he tells them, Hey guys, you know, I was, this, this is my fault. Um, you know, just, just get rid of me, just throw me in the water. I don't want to be here. I would rather die than have to face the consequences of what I've done and go back to Nineveh. Just throw me in the water. I, I will, I will let God sort me out in the water and, and you all will be fine. And so they're like, okay, well enough said. So they pick him up, hurl him into the water and, uh, the storm, you know, the storm stops, uh, it ceases and the men on the boat, uh, begin to fear the Lord. And then a giant fish comes and swallows Jonah. So that's the end of chapter one. And then in chapter two, we see Jonah basically offering up a prayer of a regretful prayer, a prayer of, um, repentance and a prayer of, you know, him basically saying, if there's a way I can make this right, I will do that. If you will just give me the chance to make right this wrong, I will do just that. And so what happens again, I, I told you this is kind of an interesting story to be telling children just cause it's, it's kind of strange in some ways, but he gets swallowed by this fish. He gives up the, uh, offers up this prayer to the Lord. And then in verse 10 of chapter two, after we've seen Jonah's prayer, it says, and the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. <laughs> now, part of me w- wishes I could go back in time and see what this would have looked like, because it doesn't say that he was like, you know, God lifted him up and floated him out of the fish and placed him onto dry land or that, you know, the fish somehow like just spit him into the water and he floated up and then swam to dry land. No, it says that he, that the fish vomited Jonah onto the dry land. It says that after he'd been sitting in this fish for three days and three nights, no exposure to sun, probably been sitting in stomach acid and there's bones and water and just Lord knows what inside this fish. He has now been vomited up. Now I'm not going to, I'm not going to build too much of a mental image for you. Cause I think we can all, uh, imagine what, you know, at least from a human perspective, what that would look like. But Think about this. This man, Jonah, in such a short amount of time has been, has just experienced the worst, some of the worst things that I think you could ever experience on earth as a human. I don't know what's, what's much worse than, you know, being fleeing a place, getting basically attacked by a storm, swallowed into a fish and then vomited back up on the land. I mean, you, you want to talk about, uh, <laughs> if I could speak to Jonah, I would have him on the show and I would want to, I would, I would want to hear his thoughts on, on this. He would definitely be a podcast guest. Um, but that's where we're at now. So that's the end of chapter two. And then we move into chapter three, uh, and chapter three and four are kind of short. Um, but this is kind of the second half of the book. So, um, then it says, starting off chapter three, it says, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time saying, arise, go to Nineveh, the great city and call out against it, the message that I tell you. Uh, and so Jonah, Jesus is, is, is basically saying, Hey, Hey Jonah. Um, okay. So you didn't want to go to Nineveh the first time. Uh, I've literally taken a fish and spit you up on the land to make you do it. Would you please go to Nineveh and do what I'm asking you to do? And so what does he do? Uh, it says in verse three, so Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. And then I'm just going to read a few verses here. It says now Nineveh, uh, Nineveh was an exceedingly great city. Three days journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, quote, yet, uh, quote, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. That's all he said. 
He went into the center of Nineveh and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. So we see here in the beginning of chapter three, Jonah's been spit up onto land and God is like, Hey man, if you could do the thing that I asked you to do, that would be nice. If you could go and, uh, you know, talk to these people and tell them the error of their ways and show them that there's a better way forward. That would really be great. I would, I would really appreciate that. And so I imagine Jonah, you know, being nasty and probably soaking wet and smelling horrible, um, you know, begrudgingly walks into the center of Nineveh and is like, okay, whatever. I don't want to be here. If I can just get this dude off my back, I will, whatever. So he walks in and, <laughs> you know, it's funny. Um, you think of like church sermons and, and people that are, uh, you know, when people preach, uh, in church, it's often viewed as like this kind of long process. You know, it's like, oh, this dude's going to get up here and talk for 30 minutes to an hour. He's going to go on and on. Like, you know, you see people fall asleep in church. It's because like sometimes it can be, you know, you have someone speaking for a while. It's like, you know, it, it can be hard to follow, follow along or sometimes it can just be boring. And we get the exact opposite of that here from Jonah. He doesn't, he doesn't go into Nineveh and he doesn't have some major sermon prepared, some life, life changing, uh, you know, speech ready to go. He literally walks in and says, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. That's it. That's it. Imagine, imagine if you're in church and you're sitting down ready to go and you're, you know, you got everybody around you and the preacher walks up there and they're like, yeah, you guys have screwed up uh, and you need to repent. And then he just walks off the stage and, and that's it. That's the end of the service. I don't know about you, but I would be very confused. I would be like, okay, this dude didn't prepare much. He, he doesn't really have much uh, in the way of a, of a concise message. And I wouldn't think that something like this would be, I wouldn't think that it would be something that would be impactful, but yet we see in verse, uh, five of chapter three, it says "And the people of Nineveh believed God, they called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. So again, I'm trying to build this story up here. I'll kind of wrap it up once we get to the end to kind of bring out a few points, but uh, so that's where we're at right now. And then in the second half of chapter three, in verse six, uh, it, it talks about, it says, the word reached the king of Nineveh and he arose from his throne and removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. So if you check out the, the, the second half of chapter three here, you basically have the king of Nineveh and he, he tells, you know, makes a proclamation throughout all of the city and is like, Hey guys, we need to take this guy's word seriously. Like we need to, we need to repent from what we've done. We need to fast. I don't want, I don't want anybody to not take this seriously. Like we need to truly repent from our ways and do what's right. Um, and so literally as a, you know, the, the King, uh, and, and, and all the, all the Ninevites, they fast, they cover themselves in sackcloth. Like they, they do everything they should do despite the fact that Jonah preached like seven words, and, uh, and then it says in verse 10 of chapter three, the very end, it said, when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them. And he did not do it. Um, and so that's chapter three. It's very short. Jonah basically walks into Nineveh, probably very begrudgingly and is like, Hey guys, you need to stop what you're doing or else bad things are going to happen. And then they stop what they're doing They're You know, even the, the King is like, Hey guys, he's, he's right. We need to, we need to figure out a better way forward. We need to listen to this guy and do the right thing. So you would think, <laughs> you would think after everything that's happened to Jonah, 
you would think that after he's been, you know, gone through a, a horrible storm on a boat and he's been swallowed by a fish and he's had all these things happen that he would be exceedingly excited for the fact that even despite the fact that he disobeyed what God initially told him to do, he was he was able to play a role in the the saving of a entire I forget if Nineveh is a city or a nation, but regardless, uh, he he is able to s- play a role in the the saving of these people by doing the bare minimum. You know, like again, this man did not prepare like a a twelve point sermon or anything. Like he walked into the city probably soaking wet and nasty, and was like, "Hey guys, uh, I, I need you to like do the right thing here." And he just kind of walked out like that was it. And they did. You know, that's that's what <laughs> that. That is what like preachers dream of is, is, you know, doing the, is, is walking in with just something short and sweet prepared. And it just, it just sends shockwaves out through congregations and through cities. But you would think after all this, that Jonah would be like, holy cow, like I, I failed so many times. I didn't do the thing I should have done. And God has still used me. Like I've still I was able to help these people. Like, even though I don't really like them, like I was, I was able to help them and improve their lives. Like this is, this is awesome. This is great. I want to do more of that. You would think that would be his reaction, but we see quite the opposite in, <laughs> in chapter four. Um, and so the, this, the heading of chapter four says Jonah's anger and the Lord's compassion. So, you know, it's funny um, in, in, in chapter four, to start out, it says, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he was angry. And this is talking about the fact that all the Ninevites were doing, you know, what they asked him to do. They were, you know, fasting and repenting it. This displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he was angry. And it said, says in verse two, and he prayed to the Lord and it said, Oh Lord, is this not what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. So Jonah is basically like, what the heck, man? Like, I knew that you were going to do the right thing here. I knew that even if I went into Nineveh and did the bare minimum, that you were going to allow these people to live another day. You were going to be merciful and gracious to them. And that upset Jonah. That that upset him. He was like filled with anger by this. And it's <laughs> it's kind of crazy to think that, you know, because... The whole time throughout everything that's happened, when Jonah was swallowed in the fish, when he dealt with the storm, when he was vomited back up onto the land and went into Nineveh and did the bare minimum, he wasn't, he, he really didn't want, he really didn't want the Ninevites to be spared. He, he did what God asked him to do from like a, you know, a, a legalistic perspective. Like he's like, yeah, okay, I'll walk in there and say the things I need to say and then I'll be done. But he really didn't want the Ninevites to be spared. He hated these people. This is what I was talking about. Like he, he did not, he does not like these people. He's filled with anger with the fact that they were spared. And so, you know, this is where we kind of look at Jonah and we're like, okay, this guy, um, this guy is, in my opinion, he's, he's kind of a flawed character. He's not this like amazing example we should be following because like, yeah, he did technically did the thing that, that, uh, you know, um, God asked him to do, but, (laughs) but he, he did it with an unhappy heart. He really didn't want God to do the thing that God said he was going to do. And so here we are, Nineveh has been spared and Jonah is like, what the heck God? Like, this is, I knew you were going to do this. This is why I didn't want to come here in the first place. 
And so to follow up what he said, therefore in, in, in verse three, Jonah continues his, his anger and says, uh, therefore now, Lord, please take my life from me for it is better for me to die than to live. And so with this verse, this is kind of where I draw this conclusion back in, um, back in chapter one, when he asked the members on the boat to throw him overboard. I've heard interpretations of that story where it's like, Oh, Jonah's doing this noble thing where he's, he's trying to sacrifice himself in a, in a way that will please God. And that will, you know, be good for the people on the boat. But we see here that after the fact, when the good deed has been done and the thing that God wanted him to do has been done, he is extremely upset, upset to the point where he says he would rather die than live. And that's what he tried to do in chapter one. He, he, he said, throw me overboard. Just get rid of me. I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to deal with these people. I don't want to deal with God. Just throw me overboard and, and get it over with. And so to follow this up, God says in, in verse four of chapter four, it says, and the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? And so Jonah went out to the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he, till he should, till he should see what be, what would become of the city. So jo- the Lord asked Jonah, like, do you do well to be angry? And then Jonah says, you know what? I'm just going to go out outside of the city, chill out, take it easy and just, just hang out. And so it says in verse six, now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was ex- exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up, up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it with that it withered. So we see here, Jonah's really mad. He exits the city, kind of goes out and, uh, you know, he's, he's just hanging out and God allowed, uh, God allowed a plant to be grown up over Jonah that provided him with some shade. Um, but whenever the sun began to rise, uh, he appointed a little, like a little bug to come and take out the plant. So the plant withered. Um, and so we see that at the end of verse seven. So in verse eight, it says, when the sun rose, God appointed a scorching East wind and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. So he's kind of repeating what he said in verse three of chapter four here. So again, to kind of, kind of recap everything that's happened in in chapter four here, uh, Jonah is mad at God. He's like, God, I knew you were going to do this. Why did you do this? Just, just kill me now. It's, this is better for me to die than to live. He exits the city and, you know, sits down and God appoints uh, a plant to give some shade to Jonah, which it does. And so it, it, you know, cools him down. It allows him some relief, but as the sun is rising, he allows the the plant to be withered down and then a scorching East wind to just beat down on Jonah, just to, you know, bring heat exhaustion upon him basically. And so Jonah says the same thing. He's like, it is better for me to, to, to die than to be here and have to deal with this. But then it says in verse nine, but God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And verse 10, it says, and the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle. And that's where it ends. That is the end of the book of Jonah. God asking this question of Jonah, basically saying, you know, uh, you, you pity this plant that came up overnight and now withered. Um, 
should I not also pity Nineveh who is, who, you know, has no direction, who believes wrong is right. Uh, who, who doesn't know which way to go forward. Should I not also pity them? And that's where we end. It's kind of a weird ending. Cause you, usually, you know, you think of stories in the Bible, like they're kind of wrapped up nice with a little bow and they've got a, a cool ending to it. And you know, it's a, a good takeaway and things like that. Like that's what we, we like to think of them. But this is an interesting story where it's, it's short. It's got some weird things happen. A dude gets swallowed by a fish and vomited up on the land. And it ends in this kind of strange way where he's like, should, should I not also pity Nineveh who is, has zero direction going forward. So what, what's the main takeaway here? You know, to quickly recap the story of Jonah again, he's commissioned to go to Nineveh by God and he doesn't want to do it. And so he flees to Tarshish on a boat. The boat is shaken by a major storm. And Jonah is basically said, you know what? Just throw me in the water. I'd rather die than be here. He gets thrown in the water, swallowed up by a fish. He sends up a prayer to God of regretfulness and, and asking him if, you know, if there's ever a chance for me to get out, I will do the right thing. The fish vomits Jonah back up on the land. Uh, and then Jonah is commissioned again to go to Nineveh. He goes into Nineveh, does the bare minimum, leaves, gets mad when, when God spares them. Uh, he has this plant come up over him and then the plant withers. Um, and then Jonah gets upset with God that the plant is, is gone. And God basically questions Jonah and says, you're upset that this plant is gone. Should I not also be upset that Nineveh has no direction going forward? And that's it. That's the, that's the end of the end of the book. So again, you kind of see why, in my opinion, Jonah is kind of this weird character. Cause he's not really someone that like, when you see his actions, it's not something you want to emulate. You're not like, Oh yeah, I really want to, I want to be the kind of person that runs away from, from my problems and, you know, and, and flees whenever God asks me like, yeah, that's really what I want to do. Like, no people, I've never heard that lesson before. And so you look at it and it's like, okay, well, what am I supposed to take away from this? I think there's two things we can apply to our lives. Something that I've been dealing with lately. And, and I, I imagine other people will deal with is, there's going to be times in your life where you fall short. Um, there's going to be times in your life where you say you want to do something and you just don't end up doing it. Or you say, I feel compelled to, uh, follow God's will in this way. And you don't do it. I've done that numerous times. I'm the biggest hypocrite when it comes to things of this nature. I'll say that I should do this thing and I don't end up doing it. I, I say that I want to do more things and I don't end up doing them. And at the end of the day, we're all flawed. We've all fallen short we've all misstepped and not done the things we want to do. We say we want to do. That is exactly who Jonah is. Jonah is a flawed person. He is a person who runs away from his problems. He's a person who, when he is told what he needs to do by God, he says, no, I would rather revel in my anger and die than to have to do what you want me to do. Um, that's, that's us. That's all of us. That's every one of us. Um, no matter how good or how bad you believe you are, we've all fallen short. We have all to one degree or another emulated Jonah in this way, whether we realize it or not, we've been asked to do things. We, we have, we have read and seen the things that we should do yet. We don't, there's been so many times where I know the thing that I should do. I know that there is uh, something in my life that I should do and, and a, a way that I can, you know, um, uh, there's a, sorry, there's a dog right above me. I don't know if you can hear him howling, uh, but there is a, I know that there are times in my life where I should have done something and I didn't do it. 
that's exactly what Jonah did. Like that is the story of Jonah. So many times we see him being commissioned by God to do something, being asked to do something, and he simply runs away from his problem. He doesn't want to be, he doesn't want to be the catalyst that God wants him to be for good. He wants, he would, he literally says multiple times, I would rather die than have to, than live and have to deal with this. And so number one, I I think it's important to realize like Jonah is kind of this character that we look at and we're like, oh yeah, like that's Jonah. Like he's kind of this weird, like rebellious character. We don't really talk about him all that much. Like he's not someone you want to, you know, exemplify or anything like that. Yeah, that's true. But the, the point of this is not to say, oh wow, don't be like Jonah. The point of, the point of this, I believe is to say is that we are like Jonah we have all fallen short like this. It doesn't matter whether you consider yourself a Christian or not. Like we have all fallen short. We have all misstepped and miscalculated. We are Jonah, whether we like it or not, whether we realize it, we are just like him. We would probably do the same thing he is doing in this story. If we were in his position, it's easy to look back and be like, Oh, Jonah's so silly. He's doing all these things. Like I would never do that. Who's to say you wouldn't do that. I probably would do that because I have misstepped so many times when it comes to my faith. I, I have been given so many opportunities to exercise my faith and do the right thing. And I simply haven't. Um, so I think that's one main takeaway is to look at Jonah and say, okay, even though he's this character that we recognize as flawed and is someone that we in some ways shouldn't really emulate, we do, we, we act like him every single day. Um, and you may be hearing this and saying, okay, well, that's kind of a weird takeaway. Like that doesn't sound very encouraging or sound like a a positive thing that, you know, I should be considering, but I want to make these first two points and they, they kind of go in tandem with one another. Point number one being, we are just like Jonah, whether we realize it or not, whether we like it or not, we live just like he did. We run away from our issues and our problems. We don't follow God's love and God's faith the way that we should. However, what I think is a, is a extremely encouraging thing to see and to read is what we see in, uh, in chapter three in verse four, again, Jonah at, to, to give you the context of what has happened here. Um, Jonah had been vomited up on land after being in this fish, he pleaded with God and he was vomited up and now he's been, he's been asked to go back into Nineveh. And so it says in verse four of chapter three, Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So again, Jonah is doing the bare minimum. He is, he is taking, he's going into the city and just saying, Hey guys, you need to do the right thing here. And then he just kind of walks off. That's what Jonah is doing. And yet we see the result of what Jonah has done. Jonah has taken the most simple and basic step forward in following what God asked him to do. God asked him to go into Nineveh and to, and to tell these people the error of their ways and to show them there's a better way forward. And technically he did that. He, he walked in and was like, Hey guys, this is not the right thing to do. You need to do better. And technically he did what God asked him to do. But you and I both know that he could have done a lot more. I mean, he could have, he could have prepared something. We see so many times in the new Testament, like Paul would go in and have these on his missionary journeys. He would have these, these great sermons prepared and he would have these lasting impacts on these cities. Jonah kind of did the opposite. He just kind of walked in and was like, Hey guys, you need to do the right thing and repent. And then he walked out. But what we see is a great impact by what he did. God was able to work through him, even despite the fact that he didn't want to be there. And despite the fact that he is flawed and despite the fact that he routinely fell short 
God was able to use his minimal effort in a lasting and positive way. And so what, what are we supposed to take with this? Like, okay, yes, we, we came to the conclusion that Jonah is a flawed person. And so are we, we are all flawed. We all fall short. We all don't do the things we say we should do. And whether we like it or not, we are just like Jonah. However, that does not mean that God cannot use Jonah because we see that he did. And that does not mean that God cannot use you and he cannot use me and he cannot use any one of us, despite the fact that we probably, we may not want to do what God has in store for us. We may not want to go to our version of Nineveh. We may not want to go in and tell, tell our, in our lives, whatever, whatever Nineveh is in our lives, we may not want to go and do the things that we're being asked to do in, in that setting. However, God can still take an ungrateful and unhappy heart and take someone who doesn't want to be there and who says, I would rather die than live and use them in a way that is, is positive for his kingdom is positive for the lives that are being impacted that offers salvation that offers a way forward. Even if we don't like it after the fact, even if we, even if the the thing that is done, even if we're like Jonah and we're like, what the heck guy? Like I knew, I knew that you were going to be gracious to these people that I didn't want you to be gracious to. God can still use an unhappy and ungrateful and hardened heart, just like he did with Jonah. And so to kind of conclude here, to kind of wrap things up, the point of Jonah, one of the main points, I guess I'll say with Jonah is to allow us to look in the mirror a bit is to say, Hey, whether you like it or not, you are just like Jonah. We view Jonah as kind of this like anti-character, like, okay, we're not really supposed to be like he's in the Bible, but it's not really someone we want to emulate and be like, but the truth is we're just like him. I know I am at least I've done so many things where I've fallen short and I've done things that I'm not proud of. And that's what Jonah did. Like he, he is the poster child of that. However, even despite the fact that God has used Jonah and even despite the fact that Jonah was someone that, you know, didn't follow what God asked him to do, even despite the fact that Jonah was someone who didn't want to follow God, God was able to use the bare minimum of his efforts in a positive and lasting impactful way. So I hope that's an encouragement to you, wherever you are, whoever you are and and wherever your faith is, whether you feel like you are riding high and you are following God, you know, in lockstep or whether you feel like you're with, you're, you're kind of with Jonah and you don't feel like you want to do the things that God has in store for you. You don't want to follow his will for your life. God can still use you wherever you are. God can use you and have a, use you for a lasting positive impact. I heard something, um, I don't know who to, who to credit this to. So I'm not, I'm not gonna take credit for this, but I heard this one time, um, that God loves you just the way that you are. He loves you who, as the individual that you are. He loves you. He loved Jonah for who he was. He loved Jonah, even despite the fact that he didn't want to go to Nineveh. He loved him, even though he was probably nasty after he got spit up by that, by that fish. He loved him throughout the whole process. Yet God loves you so much that he would, he does not want to leave you in the state that you're in. He wants you to do better. He wants you to follow his will and to have this lasting impact on the world around you that Jonah was able to have, even despite the fact that we all fall short like this and are just like Jonah, God still loves us yet. He loves us so much that he does not want us to merely stay where we are and revel in our dissatisfaction and our anger. He wants us to move forward in a joyful and a positive way. Like we see with Jonah. 
he wants us to take the fact that we are just like Jonah and still use and still be able to be used for good. Um, so yeah, I, I hope that that is encouraging to you, whoever you are, wherever you are right now, uh, you, the listener, whatever your faith is like, I encourage you to check out Jonah, read it for yourself. It's a, it's a short book and you know, I didn't go into every single verse here, but I encourage you to read it and check it out. I think it's an incredibly encouraging story because yes, while it shows that we are just like Jonah and we have all fallen short, um, there is still an opportunity for us to do good, even if it means just doing the bare minimum. I'm not saying that we should just do the bare minimum, but it shows that even when we don't want to be around, even when we say we would rather die than live, God can still use us. God can still offer a way forward and can still offer us up as a living sacrifice for him. That's all my thoughts for today. Um, I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. I, I want to thank you for listening to the, today's episode, and I hope that you you enjoyed it. Uh, you know, it's by the time this episode comes out, uh, will be let's see, it'll be Monday, December twelfth of twenty twenty two, and I gotta say, uh, just to to kind of wrap up here, what a year it's been. Um, but I am so thankful again to have the platform that you all have given me to have the fact that people want to listen to what I have to say. Uh, and, and, and I'm just incredibly grateful to have you, uh, you, the listener here with me every week. Uh, I thank you for that. So I'm excited to bring more, uh, exciting content in the future. I'm looking forward to what 2023 has in store. Uh, and, and I'm just incredibly thankful to have you on the team. So if you would like to follow myself or the podcast on any social media, then you can go down to the description of today's episode to find those links. If you'd like to contact uh, me, you can email me anytime. You, you can message me on social media anytime. But if you'd like to email the podcast, uh, you can email email me at radiofacepod at gmail.com. Again, that is radiofacepod at gmail.com. All these links will be in the, in the description of today's episode. So if you'd like to check those out, feel free to head down there to the description and uh, give them give them a second to check them out. So yeah, I think that's all for today. I want to thank you again for taking some time to, to listen to me today. And I hope that you enjoyed um, today's episode. Um, thank you again for your support. Thank you again for listening in and just, just lending me your ears every week. It's an honor and a privilege uh, to have this platform. And I uh, just cannot thank you enough for the support that you have given me. So thank you again for listening to this episode and I will catch you all on another episode of the podcast. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the podcast. As one final reminder, if you'd like to support the show, then don't forget to rate and review the show wherever you get your podcast or share it with a friend. If you'd like to check out any links that were mentioned during the show or follow the show or myself on social media, then feel free to head to the description of today's episode to find these links. As always, thank you again for checking out today's episode. and I really hope you enjoyed it. I'll catch you all on the next episode of the podcast. See ya.